Good morning, church. Um, this is Pastor Will. Excited to share God's word with you today. We're going to be in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. You know, there is a difference between someone's actions or knowing someone's actions and knowing their heart. Now, there certainly is some overlap, right? You know, you can look at somebody's actions from afar and you can make reasonable and truthful um, deductions about what they're like and what they're about, about what they value. But it's very different than when you would join with someone, you say, over a meal and listen to the stories, their dreams, their desires, their vision. So you, both, both ways you're knowing something about the person. But when you sit across and listen to somebody talk, about their dreams, their visions, their experiences. When you listen to that, you know a piece of them about their motivation, the, the nature that their actions or the tone that their actions take on. And so, beloved, we know so much about what Jesus has done, but I want us to take a closer look not only at what Jesus has done for us, but I want us to take a, a look at his heart. In this passage in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking and he uses a metaphor to not only explain what he has done, but also explain the tone of what he has done so we can understand his heart. By understanding his heart and his motivation, we can have a better understanding of who he is and how we should respond. So John chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 18. It says, This is Jesus speaking. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep doesn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happened because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, 
but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to understand your word. Help us to see the beauty of your heart, your goodness, so that we might have confidence in this day about who you are and how you love us, what you have done, and what you will do to take care of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first point that Jesus is making is that Jesus is the rightful shepherd of the sheep. Look at verse 1. It says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So let me explain context a little bit what's going on. So in that day, when you would have sheep, you uh, wouldn't always spend all day with the sheep, and there was a, a community pen, if you will. There was a community, uh, a place where the sheep were kept. They were guarded from thieves and predators and intruders, and there was a gatekeeper, someone who was hired by the community to guard all of the sheep. Now, when you wanted to go get your sheep and take them to get water and take them to get food, your sheep would know you. They would know your voice. And so the shepherd would call out, and out of all of the sheep, the ones that belonged to him would come out of the pen, and he would be able to care for his sheep. And what he's pointing to the fact is that there are people, because sheep are valuable, and to be honest, because they're not always so smart, there were people who wanted to steal sheep. They wanted to take sheep away from the owner. And what Jesus is saying, hey, my sheep, my people, the ones that I love, they rightfully belong to me. I don't come in through the side. I'm not trying to steal anybody's sheep. They are my sheep. Now, I don't know how that hits you. That might seem like Jesus is being a bit possessive. But as we read, we're going to understand what Jesus does for the sheep that belong to him. We also see that God's sheep are the sheep that follow Jesus. They understand and listen to his voice. Look at verse 3. The gatekeeper opens it, opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of them outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the idea is that when Jesus calls out of the, the mass of humanity, those who would follow him, those who would believe, would listen to his voice and begin to run after him. This is so important. This is so important to understand because ideally every, everybody else's sheep, all the sheep in the sheep pen could hear what the shepherd would say. They could hear the various voices, but they would follow the one that they belong to. So, beloved, it's not enough to simply hear God's word. It's not enough to simply have heard a sermon or have read the scripture. He says, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. So if we are to claim that Jesus is our shepherd, we're not saying that we like to hear his voice sometimes because it's soothing. We're saying we are listening to him and then we are saying we will go where you go. Now, he says something really important. He says they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of the stranger. So here's something important to understand, church. How do we hear 
the voice of Jesus and know that it is the voice of Jesus? How do we discern when it's Jesus speaking or when it's a stranger that might want to harm us? I would say that the way that we learn to discern and understand and hear the voice of Jesus is through the word of God, is through the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul's writing to Timothy, he said, all scripture is inspired by God, meaning that it comes from God. It is divinely inspired. We've talked about this a lot, but I think it's worthy to say it again. This, this idea of inspiration is that, you know, when you're close to somebody and you're speaking to them, you know, you can feel the breath of that person on your face. Now, to me, that's an unpleasant experience, but that's the idea. And he's saying that, that, that when you read or hear scripture, that that is God's voice so close to you that his breath is almost hitting you in the face. So how do we understand what God says? We have to be students of the scriptures. We have to be hearers of the scriptures. As I, as I talk to people within the church who are uh, either going through suffering, wrestling with sin, trying to discern what to do, a lot of times, not all, a lot of the times, though, the root of the issue is that they have not become familiar with God's word. So they can't discern the voice of Jesus. Beloved, if you want to be led by Jesus, you have to get familiar with his voice. And there is no other sure way to know that it is Jesus who is speaking than by listening to God's word, by listening to Scripture. So I, I contend to you, I present to you that you have to get in your Bible. Otherwise, you could be deceived by a stranger. Not only do Jesus' sheep hear his voice and follow him, Jesus gives the sheep life. Look at verse 8. It says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it with abundance. That first verse, he talks about all who came before me are thieves and robbers. What he's talking about, there, are, there have been before Jesus and have been after Jesus people and ideas that will claim prominence and authority over and against the authority of Jesus. They will say, well, you've heard it said, you know, the Bible says this, that, and the other. But what you really need to do is listen to this idea or listen to this person. This is a warning to us that we cannot trust any authority above Jesus. I'm going to present to you two things that, that, that might seem funny or strange, but there are two things that I have noticed within our own context, that people listen to and place the authority above Jesus. The first one is the news. Now, I'm going to be very careful. It does not matter which news you watch. I don't care if it's Fox. 
I don't care if it's CNN. I don't care if it's MSNBC. Everybody is going to present these facts with particular tones, a partic in a particular worldview, a particular way of how they think the world would work. And if you are not discerning, if you don't recognize that, then you will adopt the tone and the worldview of what you listen to without even knowing. And you will be unable to discern what is a worldview that I have adopted from this source and what does the source of Scripture say? This is important that we understand that we cannot uh, just without discernment, take in various information. There's really only one trustworthy source, and it's God speaking to us through the scriptures. Some would want us to not care about individuals' suffering. Some would want us to make uh, want to make us doubt suffering. Some would want us to not care about personal morality. Some would want us to consider one country as more important than another. It, the list goes on and on and on. But what is important for you is that we are immersed in the scriptures so that we would have discernment that when slants and various ideologies come to us from various sources, we will be able to go, well, Maybe some of this is true, but I have, to, I have to gauge it against the lens of Scripture to understand where the authority comes from. The other thing that really uh, uh, um, is forming and discipling people, it's going like, to be really funny, but we've talked about this a lot, being the leadership, is memes. <laughs> people uh, share and post memes. I'm not saying memes are bad. I do the same. But the, the interesting thing is I found that people put a lot of stock and just these small statements. Beloved, truth is complex. We can't take sound bites and develop whole thought processes and actions based on sound bites. We have to judge it against the truth, the whole scope of truth that is in the scripture. He says, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to him. How did the sheep not listen? Because they listened to the voice of the shepherd. Uh, he, he also says that he is the entry into the gate. He is the gate. He, the, the idea is this, that when a sheep is outside of the sheep pen, there are predators. There's wolves and bears and various things that would want to devour the sheep. And Jesus is saying, you want to get into the place of safety. The place of safety is found through me. He is the one that guards us against wrong thought, thought patterns and against destructive uh, patterns of sin. He is the one who says, you can come to me and I will protect you. He says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. Here's the interesting part. If the sheep knew that the thief was a thief, then they would run away from the thief. The most dangerous things to us are not things that are obviously wrong to us. The most dangerous things to us have what might be a hint of truth in them. But they do not line up with the scriptures. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that Satan, when he comes, he comes to people as an angel of light. Meaning this, he presents to us something that might sound good to us. But if we are not careful to line up what we have heard and compare it to the words of Jesus, we might be 
killed. We might be destroyed by false doctrine and worldviews that do not line up with what Jesus has said. Now, in verse 10, he says, Jesus, he says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. This is a favorite verse of a lot of people, but I think sometimes it's taken out of context. So I can take a verse out of context and I can make it say a variety of things that it wasn't intended to say. So let's understand what he's saying. He is saying that he would give life and give it in abundance in the context of talking about sheep. So if we're like, what is life and what is an abundance? Then we can start just naming different stuff of what we think that would be. But I think what would be helpful would be like, well, what it would be an abundant life for a sheep? <laughs> what, what, what would a sheep think? Man, this is balling. I love this. It's actually a couple of simple things. Simple things. The sheep, an abundant life for a sheep would mean that they would have the food that they need, that the shepherd would lead them to the place where they could graze and eat, that the shepherd would lead them to the place where they could find water, that they would be filled with good things that would sustain them and help them to grow. Will it be an abundant life for a sheep? Safety. Sheep got a lot of predators. What would be a good life for a sheep is that when, when he goes out and he is living his life, that he has a shepherd that can look around and see there's a wolf over there. There's a bear over there. Don't go over there. That he would fight for his sheep, that we would have safety. What would be a good life for a sheep? A shepherd that would care, that would care, that would love the sheep. What he's saying is that Jesus has come to give us provision has come to give us safety, has come to give us care, and all of that in abundance, a lot of it. So Jesus not only gives the sheep life, not only gives the sheep abundant life, Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. The idea is Jesus is saying, as a shepherd, I am willing to face the dangers of wolves and predators for my sheep. He is willing to face the dangers and the things that would seek to take us out. He is willing to stand between those things and us. Now here is, is, is what I think is an, an indictment on pastors and leaders who will not sacrifice for the sheep. Those of you who are listening who have some, some level of interest in either ministry or leadership, ministry or leadership, if we are going to lead and care for people like Jesus does, we need to understand what his definition of what that means. So many times, I believe we have a very uh, reductionistic, a very small view of what it means to lead God's people. And I want to be very clear. It does not only mean teaching stuff. It doesn't mean less than that, but it's not what it only means. And so I, I hear uh, young, young uh, people who want to serve Jesus, young and old, they want to serve Jesus. And what they, what they mean is that I want to have a lot of knowledge and then I want to go dispense that knowledge. And people will say, thank you for dispensing the knowledge. But when we look at this passage, he's saying what a shepherd does is he lays down his life 
he inconveniences himself. He is willing to go through hell and high water for the sheep. This is a very different thing than what he talks about this hired hand. There's some people who would shepherd God's people, who would seek to care for God's people, and they would do it for money or for notoriety. But that will not motivate you to self-sacrificial love. I want from our church, I want from our church to come both pastors and both those who would, on a lay level, on, on an average church member level, would say, I want to care for the sheep. What that means is that you would be inconvenienced, that you would put yourself in hypothetical danger in your pursuit of loving others. We don't do this for money. We don't do this for fame. We don't do this so other people would think that we're, we're great. We do this out of love for the shepherd and love for his sheep. One of the last things that Jesus said in the flesh to Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times. And each time, Peter's like, you know I love you. And Jesus says, the way that you show that you love me is that you care for my people. Beloved, if we want to respond to God's love to us well. That is not, we can't do that in an individual and isolated way. We can't do that by ourselves. If we say, Jesus, I see that you love me and I want to go and love you. Jesus says, I'm straight. I'm good. I got what I need. You go and love my sheep. This is the call of the shepherd. And this is the call for those who want to take responsibility and love God's people. Jesus not only lays down his life for the sheep, but he knows his sheep. Verse 14, it says, I know the good shepherd, excuse me, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. This is crazy. All throughout the book of John, Jesus is talking about how much he knows the Father. He knows the Father. He's been with the Father from the beginning. He loves the Father. The Father loves him. He only does what the Father does. He knows the Father really, really well. And the Father knows him really, really well. And he's saying, just like I know my Father and my Father knows me, I know my sheep. This is a beautiful thing to say. Jesus knows us and loves us. Now, I don't know if you ever had this experience. Have you ever, like, uh, started a friendship with somebody and, you know, you, kinda, you, you, you were cool. You're like, oh, man, this person's kind of cool. And as you got to know them, you got to like them a little less. I mean, let's be real. That's happened. You're like, man, I thought you was cool, but you kind of strange. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. That is not a temptation for Jesus because when he knows us, he knows all of us. He knows all of our warts, our, our, our past, our iniquities, our wounds. He knows all of that more fully than we could know. And he says, even so, I still want to know you. Even still, I, st I still want to be close to you. Even still, I still would lay down my life for you. And then in this beautiful passage, it says that we get to know Jesus. The one who would love us with full knowledge of all of our weaknesses and sins. We get to press into him, be around him, and be encouraged by his goodness. This knowledge, our ability to know him, 
has come at the cost of his own blood. Not only this, Jesus says, I have other sheep. He calls other sheep and makes them one uh, flock. Verse 16 says, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. I want you to understand the first people to hear him say this were the Jewish people. And when he's saying, I have other sheep, he's talking about people who are not Jewish. Called, they're called the Gentiles. I want you to understand something. Traditionally, historically, and in the present day of Jesus, Jews did not like Gentiles. Matter of fact, the, the, one of the most common names for people who were non-ethnic Jews in Jesus' day was to call them a dog. And Jesus is saying, you know, those people that you call dogs, those people whom you can't stand to be in the presence of, those are my sheep. I will gather sheep from those people that you don't like because I love them. I will bring them to me. It is almost like going to present day Israel and saying, hey, I love them Palestinians. They are my people. I love them. That would be an offensive thing to say. Whoever in our mind would be the people whom we dislike the most, Jesus would say from among them, I am calling people. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't have more than one flock. He didn't say, I got my Jewish flock over here. I got my Gentile flock over here. I got my white flock over here. I got my black flock over here. He didn't say that. He says, I will make them one flock. So that is why we seek unity. Not because it's cool and it's a fad. It's because Jesus said, I'm going to call people from that flock and that flock and that flock. All these different people, and I'm going to call them to be one flock. We seek an embodied unity, not a hypothetical unity, but a unity that is lived out. Because Jesus told us to do so. Remember, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. They obey me because Jesus said, I'm getting people from that flock, that flock, that flock. And I want them all to be in one flock. That means that we got to fight through our differences in order to obey the voice of our shepherd. The last thing this passage teaches us is that Jesus is a worthy shepherd because he rose again. Look at verse 17. This is why the father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. As we think about the cross, we do not need to see Jesus as a helpless victim on the cross. This is not what is happening. He says, I'm the one that lays down my life. Nobody manipulated Jesus into going on the cross. There were earthly circumstances, but at every single point leading up to the cross, Jesus had the power to opt out. But because he loves his sheep, he would willingly lay down his life. To think of Jesus as merely a victim would be incorrect. What would be a better picture is if you would see a firefighter running into a burning building to save people. The firefighter knows the cost. And he takes it anyway and runs into danger and potential death to save people. 
this is what Jesus has done on the cross for us. It was not an accident. He was not powerless. But he saw that if we continue to walk the way we would walk, that we would be devoured by thieves and predators, by sin, guilt, shame, and the devil. But he says, no, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to run into the burning building for my people. And beloved, he is the one who picks his life up again. What kind of power is this? This is so crazy. He does not need an intercessor. He doesn't need somebody to help him come back to life. He says, I'm going to do it all by myself. Meaning he is self-sufficient. He didn't need anybody. None of the disciples helped him raise from the dead. No, nobody could have done that. But he had the power to do it of his own initiative. If he has the power to do that, why would we not follow him, serve him, love him? There's a couple, couple of applications I want to present to you. The first one is, 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 is a pastoral plea from me. And it is this. Stay close to the flock. Here's the idea. The idea is this, is that when the sheep are together and when the sheep are in the pen, that is, that is what Jesus has done, they are safe. But if a sheep wanders off, that sheep is in particular danger. And in other parts of the gospel, Jesus talks about how, how when a shepherd sees that there is one sheep who is, a, who is astray, that he would leave the 99 to go and find the one. And so, beloved, a little glimpse into pastoral ministry is this. It is seeing sheep that who, for whatever reason, maybe they are hurting, maybe they, are, they have some sort of, of pain that they're dealing with, or they are running into sin. Pastoral ministry is seeing those sheep run this way and that way, and then go, I, pr- I need to go get him. And I need to go get her. And I need to go see what's going on over here. What are they doing? And it is a privilege and a joy. But, beloved, one of the reasons that I can do that is that the sheep would be safe together. And so that is why we, we don't do missional communities. We don't do small groups. We don't do men's breakfasts just to be doing something. I'm doing it because I know that Jesus said that the sheep are protected when they are together. And so, beloved... If you would love Jesus and if you would care for me, you would stay close to the flock so that I would know you are safe. The other thing is that we need to understand that leaders lay down their lives for others. If you want to exert or have any type of authority or influence, if you want to have a place to sit at the table of leadership, the pathway is that you lay down your life for others. This is vitally important. Leaders in our church cannot be those who say, you need to listen to me because I am important. Leaders in our church, they gain, they have to gain their position of leadership because of a track record of a life laid down in love and pursuit of others. And the last thing is, This applies to everybody. If we love the shepherd, we care for his sheep and we lay down the life for others. That that means in a very concrete way, particularly during the, the time we are in right now, is that you would go out of your way 
to check on, to love, and to care for the other sheep. Pick up the phone, send a text, get together, social distance, something. Get, go lay down your preference and your personal time to love and serve the sheep because those are the sheep that our shepherd laid down his life for and took it up again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would um, help us to see your heart, that you are a kind and good and gentle shepherd who protects us from evil. Lord, would we entrust ourselves to you and love you by caring for our fellow church members. In Jesus' name, amen.